0: Good morning, everybody. This is Will Richardson. Welcome to the 10X Advisor Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be here with Colleen Bowler in Texas. And I'll give you a little bit of background on Colleen. She's been in the business for 25 years. She's been a strategic coach client for 18 years. And she's been an associate coach within strategic coach for the last 14 years. And we're going to have a really interesting discussion. It's going to be impactful. One of the things I'll tell you about Colleen that's really interesting is that she was uh, named uh, in the Woman at the Top uh, publication as far uh, from Women in Financial Services, which is really a top honor to some of the top uh, women uh, financial advisors in the entire country. So That was uh, something that was really interesting and uh, really excited to be here with you today, Colleen.
1: Thanks Will, I really appreciate you doing this. This is fabulous.
0: Definitely. Well, one thing that I thought was interesting is how you've got this ability to turn something that others may perceive as negative or at best neutral and make it a positive for you and how you differentiate yourself from others. So I'd be curious about how do you think about today this uh, DOL rule that's upon us now?
1: Oh, I think it's fabulous, actually. Uh, what did it, it went into effect June the 9th and I I don't know, um, I believe everybody that is listening to this podcast, that piece about putting our clients in their best interest, I I don't know anybody in our our circle and strategic coach or other advisors that we know that don't already do that, number one. It may be a little bit more paperwork for us, but I think... Similar things have happened in um, the UK and in Australia, and many advisors got out of the business because of the, um, I guess, what more paperwork, more um, issues that you have to deal with. But I think it just makes it better for all of us that really love our clients and want to create value in their future. What, what a great place to play. More advisors are going to get out, and then the good advisors will be strong.
0: Well, you know, that reminds me of an interesting concept. and I know uh, Dan Sullivan had some thinking that came up probably 15 years ago, some of his predictions in the creative destruction series. And I'm curious from your perspective, how did that play out in the UK and other parts of the world when similar things happened? They lost about
1: 50% of their advisors. And yet Dan Sullivan's been talking about creative destruction for years. And it's an interesting thing. It's really happening in any business that you talk to any business owner any entrepreneur that you work with creative destruction is happening all over and it has happened it's just happening now in our industry really big time
0: so it's almost like you you've seen a preview of what happens, and, and you have you've had the last uh, 14 15 years to position yourself in a way that you know where you're bringing value and you can differentiate yourself from what other people are doing
1: yeah, one of the guys in coach the other day, um, I was talking with him and he said, you know, we've had a 10 year heads up on this. If we haven't, you know, clued in that unique process is really important, um, creating value in someone else's future is really important. The R factor question is really, if we haven't clued in in the last 10 years, you know, we're, we're missing something big time.
0: Well, that's, that's an interesting point, this idea of creating value in somebody's future. So talk to us a little bit about what does that mean and how are you guys doing that?
1: So, uh, well, one of the things you and I talked about is, um, you know, I think it's pretty normal. I've been in coach for so long that this, the R Factor question that um, Dan created years and years ago, if we're meeting here three years from today, looking back over those three years, what has to have happened for you to feel really happy? Um, We use that in every new client meeting and every annual review. And we kind of switch it around just a little, just like I think everybody in coach, you know, we've got our tools and then we as entrepreneurs change things as we need them. Um, Usually if I was meeting with, with you for the first time, I would say, You know, Will, it's so great to meet you. I'm so glad Curtis introduced us, which he did. And he's just such a great guy. Um, So let me ask you a question before we get started that we ask everybody that we meet with. And uh, if we are getting together, let's just say it's five years from today. So when would that be? June the 10th, right? And 2000 and what's 22? Oh, that's right. I do financial planning, but okay, forget that. <laughs> um, but looking back over those 10 years, what has to happen for you to feel really, really happy? And for me, that's our first question when I meet a new prospect. Um, and they usually talk, husband and wife, each one separately. They usually talk for about an hour, hour and a half. And that's our first meeting. You get all the information. They talk about themselves the whole time. Um, it's a very different. It's a very different relationship from the get-go. When I started in the business, all I talked about was me. Um, that's where I got my confidence from, right? It was all the you know the CFP and how our team worked and all that stuff. Uh, I think Dan says it best. You know, let them talk about them, and it builds a relationship in their future. You know if you can add value or not
0: you find sometimes when you first ask the question, is it, does it take a little prompting for them to to get started and and really start to share, or do some of them just really just start going for a whole hour?
1: Some of them start going for the other. Sometimes I think the most normal question is, you mean about my finances? And I'm always like, no, about anything. Right? Because if they only want to talk to me about their finances, which has only happened twice in the 15 years I've been using that question. If they only wanna talk about their finances, then it's a, not a right fit for me, right? It's not a, if they wanna say, well, all I care about is getting you know, an 8% investment return or something, it's just, it's not a right fit for me because what I care about is helping them. Uh, one of my friends says, give them all the way home. Well, my job is to figure out what that looks like to them And that's not just investment return. So if all they care about is that, then I'm going to help them find the right person, and that conversation is going to be 15 minutes.
0: Well, that brings up an interesting point, and that is you're you're having a discussion with them that's going to be different than what they're accustomed to. So what might be some of the kinds of things people have said to you after that conversation about how that feels compared to what they've been accustomed to previously?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, Mostly they say, no one ever asked me. (laughs) Nobody's ever asked me what I wanted. They've always wanted to talk and I'm like, well, you know, I'm just a little different. Let's just focus in on what's most important to you. And normally within the first couple of minutes, I think all of us with our years of experience of um, meeting people, Within the first couple of minutes, you can kind of tell who's the leader, if it's a couple in the room. Um, And so I try to let the person who is not the leader in the couple go first um, so that I can hear from them what's important. And usually uh, the other person will chime in on a couple of other things. If it's stuff about kids or if it's stuff about charity or if it's stuff about a second, third or fourth home or stuff about grandkids education or and you know you can ask those same financial planning questions like oh grandkids education you want to fund that well what does that look like does that look like Harvard at 70 or 80,000 a year or does that look like state college so you can get all your financial planning questions answered in that r-factor question that makes sense
0: it does, and it reminds me of something you and I talked about recently. And that, you know, when you when we were role playing a minute ago, you used five years, and I think you've got it to a point where you vary the length of time depending on who you're talking to. Is that, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, definitely. So, someone, we have found that someone with a really big network, and what's really big, um, say 20 million, 30 million, 40 million, we always go out ten years with them, um, if it's a new accumulator, three years is far right three years three years from today they're like, I want to save fifty dollars a month you know it's a different conversation. We ask the conversation too when we're interviewing employees, and with a receptionist, we might just go one year, so I would really give everybody um, the you know, the coaching to vary your question based upon, you know, net worth, experience, the job that they're doing, what they've come in to see you for. You know, we have um, young advisors on our team that are working with people in their 20s or 30s. They may or may not be thinking three years or five years out. You know, you've got some big thinkers in there too. So you just have to kind of play with the question.
0: And have you found that that's really, in addition to the person who says, hey, you know what, Colleen, I just want to talk about how this fund does compared to that one. And you're, you're screening those people out. Are you, are you finding that it's the case, like Dan has mentioned, that if they don't want to answer the question, either they don't have a future or you're not going to have a relationship with them?
1: Yeah, you know, well, I think when some people have a hard time answering the question, they just haven't thought about it. Right? nobody's given them the permission to dream about it or to think about it you know they're just so busy and you find that a lot with young couples that have little kids and or kids in high school uh, you know they just want to get through high school <laughs> you, know? I just, you know I think God's gift to all of us is uh, the high school years when we want to let our kids go right um, so I think it's different for every person, but if they if they don't want to tell you personal things, for me, in my practice, I don't want to work with them, right? So, you know, that's why there's chocolate, vanilla, you know, strawberry, butter pecan. We don't have to work with everybody, right? So this is a way, if somebody just wants to be in a relationship with us about their investments, that's not a right fit for me. I'm going to help them find somebody that that's just all they want to do. But for me and for our practice, we kind of like the whole family.
0: Well, that that makes sense. It it reminds me of another another topic related to this uh, DOL rule. And that is, it sounds like you guys have really been able to segment your clients differently as a result of this. And it'd be great if you could, share with us what you've been what you've been doing there
1: uh as in like client segmentation for that dol ruling
0: right exactly
1: you know for those of us in coach um, we have this tool called the opportunity filter and so basically we've just done the opportunity filter on client segmentation um assets under management are they a financial planning client meaning you know, our clients pay a fee um, to work with us to get their plan in place. Um, if, you know, that they, they may only be a financial planning client every three years or every five years based upon how they're working with us. Some clients, because of the complexity, they're planning clients every year. So that's that is one of our criteria. Have they referred us other colleagues or family members? Um, do they appreciate our unique ability? That's one of the things actually in the, in the opportunity filter, but do they appreciate our unique ability and do they appreciate our team? So we have a scoring system that goes up to 20 on our different things and everything. I think we, it's 17 and above, I could be wrong on this. I think 17 and above they're you know, A plus clients. So we, that's how we've done our client segmentation.
0: Well, so is it with this new uh, rule that came out, it it allowed you to really just continue to do the opportunity filter and perhaps, um, you know, this would be a good time to talk about your team and how, you know, what are the different levels of the people you're spending time with versus other people on the team potentially that are involved, maybe where you don't talk to people uh, in every case.
1: Yeah. uh, So my practice for me is high net worth clients and they're, mostly 40s and above, really truly 50s and above. And so I will always meet with someone who's been referred by one of our clients. I will always meet with them. I will have someone in the room with me, another advisor. We have our junior advisors. Um, I'll always have somebody in the room with me so that I can pivot. Um, the other thing is we've got a great guy who's got um, two young kids. And if I've got somebody that has young kids, I'm gonna pivot to them right away because they have much more of a relationship, right? Or our clients that are in their 70s and 80s, you know, we're, as we do legacy planning, I might be there for the legacy work, the conversations about what happens with your when your parents were to pass away. And have those really rich conversations, but then another advisor on the team might be working with them one-on-one on their own planning. Does that make sense? It's a divide yeah. and it's a divide and conquer. I think one of the best things I learned in strategic coach was to really focus in on my unique ability, you know, unique ability, passions, superior skill, never-ending learning, and creates energy for you and those around you. Um, I don't love financial planning. I don't know if I should say that really loud, but I don't. I don't love financial planning. What I love is figuring out what the clients want to have happen and getting that done. So we have great people on our team who love, love, love investments or who love, love, love um, keeping everything organized. Um, We have great people on our team who you know, think life insurance is the best thing since sliced bread. So I really appreciate that. And when I talk about team, I talk about our own internal team, which is about five to seven people total, depending upon um, what's going on at the time. And then we do a lot of joint work. We talked about that earlier. We do a lot of joint work with advisors whose specialties are life insurance and estate planning and um, investments and long-term care and whatever, because um, I can't be the best at everything, right? If I try to be, when I, when I first started in the business, everybody was like, get as much business as you can, don't share, don't... And I just felt like A, it's a, it's a scarcity mindset, um, and B, If something happens to me, if I get hit by that bus, I want our clients taken care of. And the more people I can surround them with, it's kind of like, let's build a moat around them. Let's really protect them. And that means if one thing happens to one person, it's kind of like the American funds. You know, if one thing happens to one of the managers, all those other managers are still there. That makes sense?
0: Yeah, so you're building and you've built an organization that allows you to focus on your unique abilities and you've you've built a team around you that allows them to work on theirs. And and not only that, then you're you're taking your capabilities as a team and as an organization and combining it with others that might have a different specialty, right? Right,
1: right, right. And we actually had one of my colleagues... um, I'm under the Lincoln Financial umbrella. One of my colleagues had actually done uh, time, so he did client segmentation, and then he took a step further. He has a much, uh, you know, I'm a two three nine three on my Colby. He's like a six eight two four or something. Anyway, he figured out the amount of money that was being spent with those clients that were not in his unique ability and by just divesting himself of those he doubled his business right so it seems a little scary but you know work expands to fill the time allotted and if you let go of those others will come in that meet your your unique ability
0: so for him do you think it was was he was he was identifying that certain clients i mean was it a they just didn't have the mindset that connected well with him. Was it, was it something like that where he just said, these, these clients are not the kind that I'm best suited to deal with. It
1: was mindset and it was also complexity. He likes a lot of complexity. And so those clients that didn't have a lot of different moving pieces going on, that's what he decided. That just wasn't his unique ability. His unique ability is solving big, taking big puzzle pieces and putting them together. And we all know clients that have those things going on all the time. I kind of like those clients as well versus the ones you can do. Um, Dan Sullivan says, there's nothing worse than a board entrepreneur. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, um, if we're doing things over and over again in the same, um, I don't know. in you know, in the same level, if we're not growing, we're going backwards. Right? That's what 10X growth is all about, right? It's learning, it's growing. Unique ability says never ending learning. Here's the deal, if we don't wanna keep learning about it, then it's not our unique ability, right? I, I, I could care less if I learn more about investments. I, I just, you know, yet I have friends that have their CFA that are like, more, more, give me more, give me more. They just love it, right? those are people you want to surround yourself with to protect your clients.
0: Well, you know, it goes back to something you said a minute ago, the scarcity versus abundance. So one thing I'm curious about is as you've narrowed your focus and as you've collaborated with others, has that led ultimately to more more business for you and all the other people that you're collaborating with?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, last year, I was in my office about 50% of the time, we continue to have, you know, fabulous years. And, um, you know, this year, we're on track for our best year. And part of it is because I stay out of other people's way and out of their unique ability. Um, It's very odd as a financial advisor, but I don't know how to do Excel. (laughs) I don't know how to really do anything in our CRM system. I don't know how to input a financial plan anymore. Did I know that in the beginning of my career? Yes, but I've realized really quickly on, um, by not knowing how to do that, I can't meddle in other people's unique ability. You know, it was a competent or excellent skill of mine. And one way that I stay, we have this thing about stay on my side of the line. You know, I've got to stop myself from, oh, look at over there. I could do that <laughs> No, it's not your unique ability. But I know, I, I'm really, you no, know, stay on your side of the line. And my team is really good. They've all been through team tools and, you know, the seminars, and um, we've got one that's going into team leaders. Um, they're really good at saying, yeah, get on your side of the line, right? My side of the line is meeting with clients. Um, and figuring out what they need, and bringing the people in to help support them.
0: Well, you, you mentioned something that that sounds like it's been really helpful to you, and that is, you know, we, we have a certain language that we speak uh, within Strategic Coach, talking about things like impact filters, and you know, all these all this stuff, Colby profiles. You know, we say we say four numbers, and you and I know what that means. And and, and now right. it sounds like saying your team knows what that means, and, and I'm curious about what that impact was before you were doing that credit after in terms of how how they're now protecting you and keeping you uh, on the right side of the line.
1: Yeah, well that's a great question. So, you know, for all of us that protection to keep us in our unique ability is just so important. So, before we hire anybody, um we go through a process and strategic coach has their their hiring process that you can get on the line online. Um, we Colby everyone and we Strengths Finder everyone before I'm the last person to meet with somebody. So we know we Colby right fit the person because, you know, I love people and they're going to come in and tell me, Oh, I'm really organized and I'm really good at systems. And I'm really, you know, and then they have a two, three, nine, three Colby like me. Cause you know, we, we like to hire people that are like us, right? And I I know there's no way in heck that they're going to be able to do that stuff, right? But I really like them. (laughs) Um, But that's not helping them, right? Um, When somebody is operating from their weaknesses instead of from their strengths, it's just no fun to come into work right so those right fit team members i think right fit team members are even more important than right fit clients right you can lose one client but if you lose that really good team member you know it's a real focus of ours is making sure our team is is a right fit and then um that we also take good care of them now Do we make mistakes? Absolutely. We just brought somebody on and we have a 90 day probation. And after 45 days, everybody knew it wasn't a right fit. And and that's where I'm saying the the person said, I come in, I'm working from my weaknesses. So, you know, nobody's perfect at it. It's it's that honesty that comes from it because they see everybody else is happy and they don't, they don't want to stay in a company where everybody else is happy. So Colby, um, Right Fit for Hiring, and also strengths StrengthsFinder. Uh, those two things we have found really, really important. And then within the first year of anyone being on our team, they um, go through the Team Tools Workshop at um, Strategic Coach. Because even though I am a coach, it's kind of like being a parent. You know, you could say something to my kids, and, and they'd listen to you, but... Not so much. We could say the same thing. And they're like, "Eh, that's mom. Right. So when strategic coach talks about it and, and they really talk about um, protecting us as entrepreneurs. So they have a new appreciation, but um, you know, we talk about, okay, we're going to move in September um, and they're going, okay, we need a strategy circle. I didn't have to say it. They're like, And we're going to need several strategy circles. And I'm like several, we need several, (laughs) you know, I just want to get us moved. They're like, we need several strategy circles, experience transformers. We use experience transformers, um, on the year. So we did an experience transformer on 2016. What worked, what didn't, what do we need to put in place? And then we did, we do a strategy circle on the year ahead. So that's really cool. And then we have quarterly meetings. And every quarter we do a experience transform. We turn around and measure backwards, right? Experience transformers that, what worked in the quarter, what didn't work. Um, and normally it's about me being gone you know, or me messing up somebody else's unique ability or whatever. Um, but it makes it, everybody is engaged with it so that um, I have a young person on the team. He was an intern with us for a year and then he has been with us for a year Um, and somewhere about six months he was going on vacation. And he said, hey, we need to put together a vacation checklist. Like what are all the things that need to happen before someone leaves on vacation? I'm like, never thought of that. (laughs) He's He's an eight follow through. And then when he got back from vacation, he's like, okay, we also need to implement experience transformers for when somebody goes on vacation, so that every time somebody goes on vacation, we get better and better and better at things being able to be done while they're gone. <sighs> right? It's like yeah. So um, we use those. We use those a lot. I use impact filters about whether or not I bring ideas to the team. Um, those are great ones because you know we come up with ideas all the time. It's just they're not always the best. So,
0: well, there's there's i I'm reminded of something of, back to the interview thing. And Dan said one time he said, you know, you we've got to take ourselves out of the process because we're all in sales to some degree or another, and we just want people to oh, it's going to be great to work here and it's going to be awesome. And and his point is, you know, you want that poker face person that's to interview them because that that's not us. We're going to be enthusiastic about about everything. And and the other thing you mentioned is that this now instead of you know us holding all these tools in our heads they're bringing it out and coming up with creative uses of it i think that's really a testament to it working and and it not all being dependent on you driving everything
1: right i think any of us that are in 10x you know this 10x advisor thing and it's 10x the mindset right it is um when you double something you know, you don't have to change very much, but 10x, we're gonna have to do something different, right? Our habits are gonna have to change, and when you do that, I think you really realize you can't do it alone, right? It's your, you've got to do your unique ability, but you need all these other people doing theirs because you can't 10x in just you. Does that makes sense, so
0: completely. Yeah, it's about it's about a team versus you know the the. Um, and I'm imagining that a shift from you over the years is, you know, perhaps when you started in strategic coach, maybe it was a smaller team. And now, I mean, you, you've built an organization you built it in a, in a very specific way to, to get to that 10 times growth.
1: Right. I started with a half a person when I was in coach, right? When I first started. So, you know, I knew I needed to do something, but coach just really helped me see what it is. And you know everybody's different about what they want to 10x. As I said, you know I'm gone half the time, and I get to coach for Strategic Coach, and I get to do stuff. I have a little book with, called Generous Kids, and we do a lot of focus on habits. So to me, it's 10xing my freedom to go and make that impact over there. Um, I don't have any grand whatever to 10x my organization. Yeah, and I do have some some a new advisor that's coming on. That that that's what they want to do. Okay, great. They can go run with it, right?
0: Well, that's exciting, and that's that's the that's the buy-in, and that's the, the strategic byproduct of of what you're creating there. That others are helping to drive it and make it bigger. And yeah, you know, the there was another topic you and I talked about that I thought was really fascinating, and that is this idea of robo-advisors and just an extreme thing that occurred to me when I was at my workshop last week, another participant said that um, he had heard, I think it was Ron Carson who said this, that uh, there's a possibility that Amazon could enter the financial world and, and essentially gather as many assets as they can for, let's say, seven basis points, and all they want is the data. They want all of our information, and so... You know, I think the point is what you and I were talking about is how are you finding the opportunity to continue to create value for clients when there's uh, the the asset management piece could could almost be free at this point?
1: Great question. Great question. I do believe, um, and I've said this for years, if somebody wants to go to (laughs) 1-800-NO-HELP, that's just not a good fit for me and for our practice. Um, I am not worried about robo-advisors. As a matter of fact, go for it, right? Because if that is totally an investment focus, that is not a, um, a care for the whole family focus. That is not a look at everything focus. That is not a whatever. Um, even to the extent that you know, some of the big banks that have gotten into to financial planning, they're selling products, right? It's, it's why I think all of us, in the sense of the 10X advisors, um, charging a fee for our unique process and taking them through. We have one book of business um, that I have right now that is 17 basis points. I mean, if, if I was relying on assets um, to pay my bills, you know, I'd be in big trouble. And, and if we don't think Amazon's going to do that, I mean, look at what it's doing to the retail space, creative destruction is happening everywhere. And part of it is being for each of us, what is our unique ability and what do we do best and building out around that, right? Life insurance, right? If we don't believe, and it's happened for years, that all that is going to get to a very small part of money that can be made on that we're fooling ourselves right so how do we do that um i don't know will have you gone to the doctor recently and they didn't charge you to go even though you were well
0: well first of all if i go it's it's that i go to their office and i always write them a check but those are two things that will always happen at the doctor for me
1: <laughs> okay and what about at a lawyer
0: uh, that would that would be the same, you know. We may they may not do anything, or uh, but they're going to charge some kind of uh, retainer or engagement fee or something.
1: Right. So it's the same thing for us, right? I don't have any pushback when we talk about a planning fee. I just don't because you know if somebody we just had somebody that went to the bank, and, you know they had several million dollars, and I said, what did they charge you to look over your situation? And they said, oh no, it's free. it can't be free and i always say you know people need to put their kids through school they need to feed them if it's free what do you think is going to happen right so i think you know and i believe most of us in coach know in the sense of charging for our unique process and what we're taking people through you know people have their 401ks at work You know what? So somebody comes in and they're a good client, but they, you don't have their assets. Then what do you do? Not charge them? No, you charge them a planning fee. So, I mean, I I think that, I mean, maybe it would be the best thing for the industry, right? Because if products go away, then really people that are there to create value in people's future will be the ones that are still standing, right? It's kind of like in the real estate industry in 2008, 2009, are people in coach who are out there creating value
0: are still still there, doing great. Well, it, there's a bunch of stuff in there that I think is really relevant. One thing you mentioned is that you you essentially have clients where you're pretty close to giving away the asset management or maybe you don't have the asset. So when you think about it, this, this idea of are you – do you have different levels of service, different engagement models in terms of what the planning fee is, or how do you how do you think about what to charge people?
1: Yes, we do. Based upon um, you know the scope of the work that needs to be done, there's a there's a different fee, and also based upon different service that needs to be done, there, there's a fee. And um, we you know are actually just finishing out our, our new level of brochure that goes and says it you know mostly it's just been me saying okay it's x amount of dollars and we know within the office what the service thing is but we're going to put it out there so people can choose and you know i got that idea from someone else in coach that they're just like you you get to pick it's kind of like concierge for physicians right Uh, you know an internal medicine doc makes 140 thousand dollars a year approximately now right after all that education, all that, and a lot of us in financial services, we have a lot of education behind us, a lot of things. So they're doing concierge services. We've got to change. Change is okay. The question is, are we going to be in front of the change or behind the change? And that's in any industry. And and I think one of the things for us as 10X advisors is, how do we help our clients through that change? Because they're going to be changing too.
0: And so in other words, we can be the change agents, helping them through it versus responding to it. Right, right. Well, there, you know,
1: it, I'm sorry, Will, what? Oh, no, go ahead. No, it reminds me about our conversation about habits. Um, you know, that, that Aristotle quote, we are what we repeatedly do, excellence then is not an act, but a habit. To be a 10X advisor, your habits have got to be different than a 2X advisor, right? So we really focus in on those habits and that mindset and how are we growing and doing as individuals, as an organization. Um, Everyone on our team does a one-year planner so that, and at least six of them are work and a couple, three are personal because it's such an important thing. They don't have to share the personal stuff, but I want to make sure that we're growing people in our organization, right? So it's creating value in people's future, both on the team and for our clients.
0: Well, there's a, there's a concept that I, I did an interview on the Richardson Financial Podcast with Michael Kitsis, and he's he's got a lot of interesting ideas about what's happening. And one of the concepts we talked about was, now, let's say somebody has five million dollars under management. They're paying one percent. So psychologically, they they know they're paying something, but it just comes out of the account versus them writing a check. And one thing I'm curious about: how have you found that to be? Where you're asking somebody to physically write you a check uh, as opposed to it being deducted from their account? Have you have you experienced any difference there in terms of their uh, receptive uh, receptivity to that?
1: Um, no, I haven't. And one of the things is, you know, we charge a planning fee, and they, have, they write a check for it. And, you know, it's five to $20,000, right? I mean, we might do a little discounting with family members, things like that, but somewhere in between, between that. Um, and then if we do the assets under management, they're also being charged to 70 basis points on, on that and if we do the insurance, and if we do whatever, but we've never had anybody say, I want my planning fee back ever in my entire history since I learned unique process and I realized I was giving it away. Since I started charging, I started charging at $900 because that was my level of confidence. Um, Since then, never in my career has anybody said it wasn't worth what it was worth. I've had people say you should have charged me more, you know, I'm like, great, right, we'll do that next year. <laughs> right? Well, that,
0: that's, that's, uh, that's reinforcing the value that you're creating in their future, isn't it?
1: Right. Well, and it's making it not just about returns. It becomes more about you ask what that R factor is. You know, you find out you've got special needs children. You find out that you've got teenagers that may need counseling you find out huh they may really want to get divorced that was a hard one when our factor was well we're trying to decide if we're staying together in three years from today i'm like okay (laughs) but you have to be willing to sit with them um, in whatever it is that's most important to them i think that's the biggest thing with you know the our factor question is it is all about them And it is about whether or not you want to create value in their future. Is this a future that you can help? Is this a future that um, they see you in it, right? All of us in strategic coach, I mean, how long have I been in? You know, 17, 18 years, 18 years. Um, I've been writing that check every year. I can't see my future without strategic coach. Can our clients see their future without us? right I believe that our clients that you know that are we really we charge a fee and we do they can't see their life without us I, I don't see that they can
0: well you know it's interesting it's it's um, there is something about that at the, the different levels of strategic coach and how they how they structure that and there's the new one that's coming out next year the game changer program and I think they've done a great job of um, Really, creating premium service models and different experiences, and, and that's exactly what what you've done. And one thing I'm curious about is, so when you were you were charging $900, whenever that was, and now there's the $20,000 plan. So, in terms of the people that are writing the $20,000 check versus the people that wrote the $900 check, are you finding that the $20,000 check writers are easier to deal with? are about the same or harder than the $900 check writer?
1: So today the 900 would be 5,000. And um, uh, that's a great question. Would I say that the 20,000, I think the $20,000 realized they need help more than maybe the 5,000. Maybe they're more, because I don't give pushback, you know, and one of them we did recently that, He said, and I have four different brokers. They've all been friends for life. I'm not moving anything. Okay, fine. I don't care. Um, And that was your $20,000. And then like three meetings later, he's like, I have one question. I'm like, what is it? Because he has got really serious. He's like, how do I tell my four friends I'm moving my business? (laughs) But that's what the fee does. It takes away the pressure and it, it... makes it that you're on the same side of the table because if you moved it or not I'm still okay
0: well and you know you went back to something earlier where you challenged somebody said so you got that for free and you and I know on the other side of that they're going to want to sell something right it's like they're going to want to sell insurance or something and and for you you're saying well you wrote me a check for 20 grand so I'm just going to be here to help you and you know, if you want to move it over, that's great. And, and that's that's a totally different place because you're coming to it completely objective because they've already paid you for your process.
1: Right, and it also puts you on the same plane level as accountants and estate attorneys who you need in this process, right? The estate attorney's not going to say, hey, I'm not going to charge you, you know? They're charging $500 an hour. What are we, I mean, So anyway, it's a, it's a, it's it's a good thing for all of us to pay attention to. But because we can create value in their future, right? It is, it is, um, they see what happens. They see what the magic is. The other thing is when they write the check, you have more buy-in, right? If I write... Let's go back to a strategic coach. I've write, written my check. my butt's going to be in the chair every quarter or else I'm losing value
0: right? Right. yeah, you're invested. It would be um, right it would be it would be selling your own investment in yourself short. I think that's a good point and that, and that's the concept of we value what we invest and pay for even you know back to what we were talking about before where if somebody else said something to your kids, they'd be like, oh, that's a great idea. But if if we say it, they're like, oh, whatever. And and I think you alluded to the same concept of if I pay somebody to tell me something that I already knew or that I got for free, I'm more likely to take action because I paid for it. Right, right, right. Well, One thing you and I talked about that I thought was interesting is that you've been really thoughtful in working with your your client's kids and getting to the next generation and really – being thoughtful with the the planning there. So could you describe how you've been able to do that?
1: You know, it's over the years, obviously, as our clients have matured and and or they are coming in and um, having the conversations. I will say 90% of our clients don't want their kids to know how much money is there. And kids can be from 20 to 50. you know, as it gets towards 55, they're more open about it, but still, you know, my clients earn their money. They're, they, you know, they, they have um, a lot of conversations about it, but they want good stewards of capital for their children. They want them to value money like they did. And so there's really great uh, meetings and conversations that we go into and it's also with their family that they are doing the planning themselves. That's why I said we do discount like bringing the the forty year olds in and doing their financial planning and helping them create it. And do we consider that inheritance as part of it? No, most families don't want that. Um, or if we do, it's half or you know whatever. Um, so it's a it's a great way to fill out the conversations and also so that if something happens. Um, they're not in the dark. They're not totally in the dark. But we start um, in high school with doing um, investment conversations. So that we talk about what's a mutual fund? What's a stock? What's a bond? What's life insurance? So we do basic financial planning for any of our clients' um, kids that are in their um, teenage years.
0: Well, and that, and that, you know, there's a couple other topics as we get ready to wrap up. And, and one is that you know, when you, and this is something that, you know, as you mentioned, is going to occur over time as you get to know people. So the idea of having your um, ongoing, you know, review conversations once a year as opposed to quarterly, like some people do. When you, when you think about the, the process and the engagement, are, are people renewing that every year and writing another check for the, for the process? Or how does that, how does that work on an ongoing basis as you continue to work with clients?
1: Uh, great question. Well, it depends upon the client and it depends upon if we need to renew planning. If they're an investment client, meaning we have all their assets and we're charging their 70 basis points and all we really need to do is review their investments, then that's what we'll do and we won't charge them a new fee. But every three years, I'm trying to be totally honest on this. For some really older people, we're... It might be every four years or five years that we're updating everything, that everything's pretty much on uh, autopilot. But normally, every three years, we're going to update their plan. And for people with higher net worth and that have a lot of moving pieces, we update their plan every year. So at the end of each year, we talk about what do they want to do in the next year. And that depends... You know if we update their plan they're getting a different level of service than if we're just doing an investment review
0: well that that makes sense and, and so then if it was the person who doesn't have assets with you but wants to talk then they're definitely writing another another check for that conversation aren't they correct
1: correct
0: well the the last thing that would be helpful to, to talk about is as we wrap up is you know with the collaboration that you're doing I mean I'm picturing people listening or watching that have heard of these ideas, but they just haven't gotten themselves to ask somebody to write a check for financial planning. So in terms of your ability to collaborate with other advisors, I mean, what would that scenario look like where somebody could work with you on a real life client and uh, you know and see how you guys operate?
1: So um, I operate under um, the Lincoln financial umbrella. So there are mm-hmm. people all across the United States that are um, in this group that we have this top group. That's um, the resource group. That's about, um, I, wanna, I don't know, maybe it's 200 people that have so much different expertise, business owner expertise, you know, really high net worth. You know, if I've got a client that's worth 50 million, mm-hmm. I, 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 I need help. I want somebody else in there with me. I need to build that moat, or, you know, We're talking about what's their foundation. I need a moat around their foundation, right? Um, On advanced um, life insurance, on advanced estate planning, a special needs. I actually, um, there is a woman who has a specialty in special needs, not under the Lincoln umbrella. I brought her in, um, got the client to pay for her services because we needed an expert in that area for their, their, grandchild and also they helped them find the location that fit for them so we've got to pay attention because um clients want us to care about them and everything that's going on I mean we have a list even like a plumber we have plumbers that you know like when somebody's worth a lot of money, they don't really care if they have a plumbing issue, right? So that collaboration—you just naturally CPAs, accountants, um, you know, other people that have expertise—you just build it around them, and and the client wins, right? And then everybody else wins because there's just such an abundance. Well,
0: I love that that back to that abundance mindset and. You know, just the the final thing as we wrap up, I'm glad uh, Curtis uh, put us in touch to have this conversation. And, you know, the other thing is we we do have a scorecard, the 10X Advisor scorecard, and that website is 10XAdvisorPodcast.com for anybody that wants to complete that scorecard. And we'll put a link to that on the uh, iTunes description so people can, can check that out. And Colleen, as we wrap up, any final words of wisdom you want to share with everybody?
1: Um, well, I love the 10x advisor scorecard. Everybody should look at that and see about the mindset of a 10x advisor. I think it's great in your book. Um, I'm buying, as I told you, I'm going to buy a couple of them myself. There, that they're, they're, you put a lot of thought into that and I, I really appreciate it. And I think, I think that's what the wrap up is, is when we can get, um, when we can collaborate like you and I, I mean, Curtis introduced us, you've already given me several good ideas about other things we can do to get to the next level. I mean, that 10X advisor that we kind of put anybody through that filter that's coming onto the team. Oh, isn't that cool? Um, I wouldn't have spent the time to do it. That's, what, that's what's so great. That's what's so rich about, I think, being in this mindset, um, abundance mindset, but in this um, mindset called strategic coach. Because we're around people who are willing to share, who want to share, who have different unique abilities than us. And oh my gosh, that's the only way we're going to get there, right? That's how we play. It's just, it's just such a fun group of people and such a um, concerned group of people, because when you're around a group of people that want to create value in other people's future, you know, it's magic. It's magic.
0: Well, a lot, of, a lot of great ideas come out of that and these conversations, and that's why they're so much fun. I mean, every time I talk to somebody, I learn something new. and I've got a lot of great ideas from our discussion today. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and you know, the the book you mentioned. If anybody wants to check it out, it's called Advisor Successment. Um, I like to make up words, so it's dot If anybody wants to check out that uh, that little book that I uh, I have out there and. Uh, Colleen, thanks for, uh, for being on the, on the show with us today.
1: Thanks, well, I really appreciate
0: it. Yeah, and as it is, uh, always, if anybody has any questions, don't hesitate to call us at 415-574-6659.